Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Let's do a what would you do? Are you ready? What would you do? There we go. What would you do? And then Hindi bars. There you go. Sound effect by Hindi. Yeah, sounds effect by Hindi. Okay. So this is a, a workplace scenario. It doesn't have to be a workplace scenario. It could be a conversation with friends. It could be outside of work, not just inside of work. So a colleague or a friend is talking about a woman who landed a big project. Okay. And they say, Wow. She got really lucky. Okay. <laughs> what would you do? Okay. I've actually had this scenario outside of work. Actually, do you know what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering, what, does that even happen nowadays? Yes. I've had the outside of work. Like, oh, she, she was really lucky. She got this project or that promotion. And I've also had it to me by a date. And I remember getting really. How so? How so? So we were talking, you know, we were talking about work and our dreams and ambitions. And I was talking about how I just secured a four-day work week. Okay. And this day it said, oh, you're really lucky to get that. Now, granted, I get, I get where he was coming from, but I was offended because I'd worked really hard to get that. I'd created a whole business case. I'd looked up literature. I'd gone through my calendar for a year. So I'd done so much work and plus I'd established myself and my credibility and my value. So I'd done all of that to secure that four-day work week and be successful. And so I was a little bit put out by, oh, you are lo- you're just lucky kind well, of well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because it's always like, I suppose it's like, like if you flip it around and say, okay, well, if I was a guy and I said to a guy, oh, you were lucky, you don't often hear that. Mm. It's always that, that natural assumption that, oh, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's proved his credibility, he's worked really hard, it's well-deserved, and well, that's what it's all about. But mm. whereas if it's a woman, it's like, mm. yeah, that's why, I'm, that's why I was surprised that it's still, it's, that that's still a response. Like it's like a woman's hard work, a woman's recognition is down to luck. It's mm. not... It's not down to anything else. I mean, the reason why I say it's old-fashioned is because that's the kind of thing I would actually hear from my mum. Well, I hear that from my mum a lot. 
in terms of my own accomplishments, my mum was always said, oh, you've been very lucky. You've been born lucky, or that was lucky, or that was lucky you had a manager who chose you. You were lucky that you had a company that, that recognises you. You know, and, and I don't really, I don't push back my mum because that's my mum's traditional old-fashioned values. Mm. That's what she was raised with. But other people in our community, people that, that we grew up with, if that, that's still being said, if that's still being thrown around, it's a very old-fashioned response. It might be an older, the next, you know, senior leader says that. Oh, that's surprising. That's surprising because if it's a senior leader that says that's lucky, then they're not recognizing the capabilities. They're not rewarding based on the hard work, the tenacity that has been shown in the individual. Mm-hmm. So exactly. whether, whether or not that be said to a man or a female, regardless, if it's if that kind of comment is coming from a senior leader, regardless if it's being being um, said to a male or a female, you're not recognizing the hard work and the tenacity that has got them to that position. Mm. So outside of that, so this isn't a scene it's a colleague. What would you, what would you do? I'd probably laugh. Like I did, that was my first response. I'd probably laugh. And I probably, I, I personally probably wouldn't, wouldn't challenge it like head on, but I'd probably say, I'd probably challenge it subtly. Right. I'm not sure exactly how I do that, but um, I think my laugh would probably instigate that. If I'd probably, probably in response to that, I'd really laugh. Mm. And then I'd probably very subtly make, I'd subtly then highlight the fact that it was my, um, you know, that I've worked hard in order yeah. to. Well, I, I, because I felt harmed by this offensive. Um, faux pas I very conscious of that I've said oh they're really lucky I've said that about certain things but I'm very conscious about saying it about somebody's achievements me you know somebody's met a great guy oh they're really lucky that guy's a wonderful man kind of thing in that sense but with luck I mean for me I don't know for, for me luck is a little bit for me luck I I I also connect with or for me, what's behind luck is very serendipity. Mm. So it's like to something you can't necessarily explain where, mm. two, where, where items come together at exactly the same moment to create that opportunity. And it's like a one in a million chance. It's serendipity. And that's yes. when someone meets somebody, I, I often don't say, oh, we're lucky because, because that meeting, it basically... It takes, yes, yes, there's an opportunity for two people to physically see each other, but then it takes a lot of time and hard work and also collaboration on a, on a highly personal and intimate level to create that spark. So, so yeah, so in terms of luck, if someone's lucky, then for me, that's, I'd, I'd probably only say that if it's like a one in a million chance. Mm. Yeah, winning a prize or something, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, use it, use it in that context. Absolutely. And and I and how I've responded to this, like I said, I'm conscious of it now because I was at the receiving end, is I say I would comment. I wouldn't challenge the person. I would comment on what they said. I would say more than lucky, more like worked damn hard to get to get that. Just thinking all all they had to do to get there was pretty amazing. So that's kind of what I would say. I would just comment. I wouldn't. I wouldn't 
uh, uh, to, you know, to make them think about maybe what they said. But this is what it, it says, why it matters. Getting recognized for accomplishments can make a difference, especially when it comes to performance reviews or promotions. When achievements are attributed to luck rather than hard work or skill, it minimizes them. A colleague is talking about a woman who landed a big project. They say, wow, she got really lucky. So you could ask your colleague, you could say, I'm curious, what makes you think it was luck? That's like challenging directly, right? This may prompt them to slow down and rethink their assumption. If your colleague responds in a way that suggests they doubt the woman's abilities, you might want to press more and ask why they think she's less competent. Is there a reason? Can they give an example? If not, that speaks for itself. And what's and why this is even in here, because it's about bias, obviously, is that, you know, we tend to overestimate men's performance and underestimate women's. We've talked about that a few times. And women do it themselves. Because of this, we often attribute women's successes to getting lucky, having a good team. And women will say that themselves. When they're successful, and it's good to acknowledge your team, absolutely. But to only do that and not recognize your own your own work and efforts, that's kind of common with women. Mm. Getting lucky, having a good team or other explanations that diminish their achievements while we accept men's accomplishments as proof of their abilities. Thank you. Yeah. That is the end of what would you do? But yeah, you did. I just remembered that situation where I had that, somebody said that to me about myself and I was like, yeah, you know, it's really strange because as you mentioned that, I was thinking, because I went through, a, uh, been through two major career changes and they're so, uh, so vastly different. Often when that comes up, I probably had that comment of, oh, you were lucky to get that opportunity to jump across. But it's been, it might have been said so many times that it's now ingrained that I just kind of wash it off now. Yeah, well, then, you know, that's the thing. But that's the suggestion. The suggestion is that that's all that was involved. Yeah, which is obviously not the case. Right, have we got time for what would you do? Yeah, let's do a quick what would you do. All right, let's see. So here's your what would you do. So this is work work scenario. In a meeting, a client only looks at and speaks to the men on your team. What would you? That's an unusual one, but probably a common one that comes up. I know if I now think about it, I know in scenarios that has happened to me. Mm-hmm. Now, previous jobs where I've been required to work with people in global locations, I have found in previous jobs, actually in a previous job, I was looking after a a portfolio which was for the India-Asia market. And I remember one of the first, I remember in that role, in a course where I did find that I had to prove myself in the first few calls to gain trust and then the work would then progress. But I don't know where, I mean, I, I don't have it any to compare it with. Like, for example, if there was another male on the call with me, because it was only myself, and that was, I felt that was maybe a bit of a challenge where, because I was owning and managing and leading a particular portfolio single-handedly, and I was the only representative when I was speaking with my global counterparts in India and the Asian markets who were female, 
there was a different approach compared to when a male counterpart of theirs would come on a cork and they would ask me questions around my background, which wasn't relating to a task at hand. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. So, well, so, yeah. But then again, so, you know, maybe there could be another perspective here. Let's say you're in a board meeting and, and you're not being, there's no eye contact, for example, and there's eye contact, you know, they're talking to the other male counterparts in the room. It could be that this the speaker might feel uncomfortable speaking to women. It could be a cultural thing. It could be the fact that they may not have had experience with women in the room before. So maybe holding space for that consideration could be a factor. Okay, so why it matters. Says this light might seem trivial, but it sends a signal about who matters. In this case, the men. It can also create a dynamic where women miss out on valuable chances to join the conversation and shape outcomes. When this happens, your team isn't able to put the best foot forward. And it says what to do. So it's obviously a suggestion. Do your part to make eye contact with everyone and try to find ways to bring more women into the conversation. When possible, you can pass the baton to a woman in a way that highlights her expertise. So Bavna would be great to answer this. She's actually our resident expert on the topic, for example. So this is this is just a practical way to manage it. Whether it's a culture, like you write, could be in their culture, women aren't senior leaders, they're more like secretaries. And actually I've I've worked in an environment where I'd say I've worked in Japan. I went to work in Japan specifically. And I noticed that all the women um, had roles of secretary and there was no women in the positions that, whereas in Australia, the women were in higher positions, obviously, because I was a woman in higher position, but not in Japan. Every senior leader, every manager, every skilled um, role was a man, and the only women in the room were secretaries. How long um, ago? This was in 2018. Yeah. So that, and that's in my industry. It was very interesting. But anyway... Ago in the pharmaceutical industry in Japan, yeah, Japan. It's five years ago. Yeah. And was this? Were you based? Did you were you were you based in office, um, which is in, in the middle of a city? Or was it- no, I was based in Sydney, but I was a week. I'm Asia Pack. I've been an Asia Pack manager for a long time in Japan. Was this in the city? Huh? Isn't that interesting? Well, I can tell you so many the dynamics of Asia Pack, and it's very interesting. And it really influences how you operate and how you work. And you need, you need to understand these things, but it doesn't mean you just accept them and ignore them because then you will, you know, because then it's hard to be innovative and creative and have everybody's voices heard. You know, you hire people for their value. And if you're going to be ignored just because you're a woman, and then your value is not being taken on, taken in. But anyway, yeah, I think like, if I was in a board, I think I've been in boardroom meetings, but I don't necessarily uh, look at. I've been in boardroom meetings, and even if somebody isn't speaking directly at me or giving me the, it, or I find that my counterparts, my team colleagues, are being um, spoken to over myself, that wouldn't stop me. That hasn't stopped me from contributing to the task at hand, to the subject matter at hand, 
in order to do my job. So that, right. that isn't a factor. Whether or not someone looks at me when they're talking to me has never put me off putting forward my contribution to my role in my career in, in the workplace. Brilliant. That's fantastic. So what to do, which I already just mentioned, and why it happens. And then it says this may happen because of performance bias. The client may assume consciously or unconsciously. Now, I have to emphasize some of this can be unconscious, which means they're not consciously intentionally doing it. Yeah. It's only when you start to think this plays out a lot that you might start to notice. You know, you talked earlier about the purple car. Once you start talking about purple cars, you see them everywhere. And that's kind of the point of this podcast. We're really highlighting here, trying to highlight unconscious bias and, and the way it plays out. And then you will notice it more. And then hopefully we can give you some practical suggestions on how to manage it. Okay. It's, that's resourceful. And when I say resourceful, it's not blaming, it's not shaming, it's not accusing. It's resourceful because it's managing it so that you bring some awareness to it whilst making the most of the situation, as in making it empowering for everyone. That's what I mean when I say resourceful. So why it happens? This may happen because of performance bias. Your client may assume consciously or unconsciously that the women at the meeting are less competent and lower in status than the men. And if your client is a man, this behavior could also be the result of affinity bias, where people often gravitate towards others like them. So there's a potential unconscious bias rooted in performance bias and affinity bias there. Uh, I think I'm in that what would you do scenario, I think I'd probably be, I'd go the other way in the sense that if somebody isn't necessary, if I feel that speaker is giving vocal attention to my male counterpart compared to me it would motivate me to contribute even more to the conversation at hand to basically to get them to look at me mm. so in this what would you do i think for me personally it would probably be an instigator of yes i'm going to be vocal in this meeting yeah and it's interesting about status because something else i noticed because i was like i worked in asia Park with, you know, managers, senior leaders. And I also notice in some, I'm going to say which ones, in some countries in Asia, women, if I would consider that society, women have a lower status. It's known, it's a generalization in that culture, in that society, we have a lower status. And then we have women that are in senior leader positions in that culture. I tend to find they don't speak yeah. at the table, yeah. even though they're in the position to speak, yeah. they don't yeah. speak. It's a really interesting what would you do question because it can go either way in the sense that I can understand that that not being looked at whilst being spoken to, that can feel quite intimidating and sorry, not intimidating, but we inhibiting when I was looking for it can be inhibiting to a female in the room and it may not necessarily uh, encourage this person, the female, to speak up, contribute. Whereas um, other personalities it would be seen as an instigator or motivator to be heard and really heard. And so it can go either way. I can see it from both perspectives. It can be seen as an inhibitor completely. I can understand that. My personal experience is that it's been seen as an elevator, as a motivator. I get that. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. There's two things that can happen though. 
depending on how strong that bias is, it's constantly talked over and cut off, right? Which is really, that can happen as well, no matter how motivated you are. And then also at the same time, think about that. Your behavior is to be heard, be heard, be seen. You're really trying to get your voice heard and say what you need to say to contribute. So that's, that essentially is an effort that the men don't have to make, right, in the room. And also, you have to be careful because, well, you have to be careful in the sense that then you, how you could be perceived as being pushy or aggressive because your behavior is striving to be heard. So the, can you see how it gets? Yeah, how it actually play out? That's right. Yeah. But it's just tricky to navigate. But when you are, if you're not in that situation, if you are basically then speaking up, even though you haven't been given that eye contact, then that is what you also have to be prepared for. Is and all I have to be mindful of is how I've got a contribution to make to this group in the workplace. How am I going to navigate it so I'm not coming across as overly aggressive, as rude, as you know, all these things that mm. I wouldn't necessarily have to think about. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, and exactly. So imagine you tr- you sat there and you're thinking, how can I say I've got this really great idea of contribution? How can I say this without being aggressive, without blah blah blah, being respectful, not sounding defensive? Imagine all this yeah. and actually just tr- simply trying to make a point. It's a minefield, but it's one thing I really, really want to emphasize with the whole purpose of having this conversation is it shouldn't be all on the individual. And the idea here is to raise awareness for everyone so that people can be allies and support when they see this happening and offer support. So when you, when this is, what do you do? It's, you see this happening to someone else, not happening to you. Yeah. What can you do? Well, then you, you can take action. You can change your behavior. You can bring in that person on purpose Mm -hmm. intentionally. And I think you told me about this before in this, your own personal experience where you talked about women who weren't seeing you for whatever reason or the group of team of women weren't seeing you, weren't hearing you, were dismissing your input. And when they brought a man in who noticed this, he became an ally for you and would bring you in and would comment on your idea. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about what everyone can do, not just what the individual would themselves yeah and i liked what well, i liked what you said tracy earlier about um you know if there is a boardroom meeting and the person um then pipes and says oh so and so introduces the person of a female who's mm-hmm. not been into the conversation saying oh so and so has has input on this or has proven experience on this children on this so it's about you know being able to rely on your co-members your team members to be able to also recognize that you have something to input into the conversation and, and bringing you into a conversation. Yeah. Recognize that, but also recognize that you're being excluded here. Got to see that happening. They've got to see that work playing out. If you don't see it, it won't occur to you. And that's where the unconscious bias is. Exactly. What would you do? And this is one that I kind of made up. I didn't really make it up as in the reason I'm bringing it to what would you do is because it's happened to me recently. And I would like to discuss with a smart lady like yourself how, well, what firstly what you think and how you respond to this comment. So conversation about hiring, having more diversity in the workplace or, you know, developing people so that you have more diversity in the decision-making roles in a B 
big organization, right? And when I say more diversity, I mean more women, people from different cultural backgrounds, you know, different ethnicities, genders, so on. And especially when it's very monocultural, right? This is what I'm talking about. So you've got diversity measures, right? It might be positive discrimination. It might be hiring practices. How you do it doesn't matter, okay? The point is the organization wants to put something in or there's a body that wants to encourage that practice within companies and organizations. Now, the person who's responsible for hiring people is saying, we hire on merit and that's all that matters. We hire on merit. So we're not going to go out and creating specifically targeting women or specifically targeting minorities or because we hire on merit and that's how it should be. What would you do? Or what would you say? That's an interesting one because recruitment or fulfilling of a role, it's on merit. So it's about can an individual do this job? It's not about... Can this individual who is female, who is black, who is brown, who is red, do this job? It's about, there's a job, it needs to be done. Who is the best person for that job? So that's, as I'm hearing it, we could be wrong here, as I'm understanding this, that's what the response is from this HR manager, is that we, we are on merit, that's it. What I'm also hearing is that there's an attempt at targeting unconscious bias in this in this particular situation it is for me i would i hire on merit now it's it's difficult to measure if recruitment is being based on merit because you have looking at a group that applied for that particular job that's what it's dependent on there are some jobs where it just so happens that there is no talent pool of females or people of color that may just happen, and that's not down to any recruitment strategy. Yes, sir, in a lot of recruitment strategies, which I've actually seen in job searches, they have lines, they have paragraphs around encouraging people of different communities to apply. And they may even have a hiring manager being of female and of a certain background to help encourage applications. That's what I've seen. When it comes to the selection criteria, Election criteria is based on merit. So we can see it from both points in this particular situation that uh, what would you do? I would look at the selection criteria, the talent pool of the job or jobs. And based on that, yes, I would select. It's based on merit. However, I think if it's about putting in place some kind of clause or some kind of program to or some kind of documentation, which targets unconscious bias, that's very difficult to do because whatever clauses put in place will not determine what selection criteria you end up with. So I would have to ear on the side of the HR manager who said, well, the selection is based on merit and the impact, what impact would a clause do? What impact would a clause have on the talent pool being created more diverse? What if it's not necessarily because this was not about a specific clause. So what if it's essentially going, right, let me look at my organization. All right, all my senior leaders are men. All my middle managers are men. There's a few women, maybe 20% of women. And then my workforce is monocultural. 
right? I'm the leader with vision. I believe, this is what this leader believes, I believe that to succeed in the future, we need more diverse ideas. So we need more diverse people from more diverse backgrounds and lived experiences for this company to have a future, which means I actively want to have more females. Maybe I have to want to target 50% maybe to woke, 50% maybe, but I've only got 20%. So maybe I want to type by next year, I want to have 30%. Let's just go there, right? How do I attract talents from people from different backgrounds, cultures, experience, lived experience? How does my company attract? This is what I want to put in place. I'm not, it's not saying you only hire that person because they're black or you only hire that person because they're a woman or you only hire that person because they're gay. It's saying, how do I attract the diverse talent? Because the fact is, whatever you're doing isn't working. If that's your vision, and some people, it might not be their vision, so that's fine. If that's your vision, whatever you're doing is not working. So how do you attract diverse talent? Yes, you can hire a merit, but if you're telling me every person that turns up for the job is, only, is a white male, then what, is, what can you do to change that? And you might not know all the answers. So this HR, I think for the HR manager, maybe, again, I'm probably deep diving into this. Mm. HR manager, when we're saying about we're hiring based on merit, yeah, merit also includes that vision in the sense that, like, for example, again, it relates back to the scenario where all women and all men, you know, they're not, they're all different, right? In the same way that just because you hire based on based on color or gender doesn't necessarily mean that you get a represent you get physical representation, but you don't necessarily you may not get a voice of representation. So, for example, you could have female leaders, but that female leader may not necessarily encourage other females. They may be very male skewed. You know, in the same way that uh, you may hire somebody of, of an Indian background, but they don't champion their own background. They don't champion their community or what it stands for they're basically living a, a different lifestyle mm-hmm. and so like, i've been in situations where i've had uh, i've been in a company where there's been white female department leaders and fortunately those white female leaders their mindset their work output was championing and voicing and representing different communities mm-hmm. now that's a great example of even if you it doesn't matter what it, it, in, and I understand the, the vision in terms of vision, what you see, you know, you're representing. And if you see it out there, then obviously you can become it too. But it's not that, that particular vision. It, that's not just based on just seeing it. That's because that, there's merit there. It's doing, doing the actions as well. You're absolutely right. That's, that's what the HR manager is talking about. And in terms of, yes, we've been doing on merit. If there is, in that example that you mentioned about, if there is a company and all you can see is white male leaders in the executive leadership team, then it's a, a case of deep diving and saying, okay, what do those male leaders have, which none of our other workforce has? What's going on here? Is it, are we giving training sessions just to the leadership team? Or are we not giving mentorship opportunities to the rest of our team? That's more internal rather than attraction of coming on board and attract and assuming, again, it's an assumption, that we had 30% of female colored um, leadership uh, managers, that means it would help us in the future. Because you could have 30%, you could hire 30% female and colored um, individuals and women in leadership positions. 
But if they, they don't necessarily champion exactly what your vision is, then it's a failure. You may as well just go back to having white. Okay, absolutely. But then that would be one of your categories, wouldn't it? I mean, if you had selection criteria for people, they'd have to demonstrate that they could yeah. do that or would do that. And that's, and that's what I was saying about it, it, based on merit. Yeah. So that, in terms of the interview, program, it, it still goes, get, it goes back to your talent. You can have a job and you could have 10 shortlisted candidates for 10 applicants for the job and they could all be 10 main uh, white males. Mm. And if it's a vision about, about inclusion and diversity, then one of the questions in our interview, based on merit too, would also be diversity targeted to those 10 applicants. Yeah. If, if, that, if there was a vision where there is physical representation, then it would be a case of, okay, looking at the recruitment strategies and going, okay, in order to attract the talent pool, in order to attract females and people of color to apply for these jobs, what could we do? Shall we put a face of HR as a female and a colored individual? Can we put in a sentence or paragraph? That's basically that, but there also needs to be like, okay, well, what is, but I would say it's at the interview process, mm-hmm. applicant of whatever background they are needs to then, it's up to them to then express how would they feed into the vision of diversity yeah. and inclusion. And that can come from a white male um, or a white female or a black female or an Indian man or an Indian female or whoever. Absolutely. And that's why the HR manager said merit. Right. Okay. So, well, what I got from this HR person, well, they weren't a HR person, is they didn't see the need for those types of initiatives where you say, you know, if you want to attract, you know, visibly diverse talent, that you um, put in the ad a picture of someone who's, you know, a person of color, or you put a line in the, they don't need that because you just, people apply and you, and you hire a merit. So that's, that's kind of what, you know, what we were getting at here. The need for those types of initiatives to attract more diverse talent. That, those initiatives, uh, it's, they're not just applicable to recruitment. They're applicable to how a company presents themselves in the marketplace. I don't know. But I'm just saying this is just a, a perspective that we don't need anything extra. We don't need to change how we just need people to apply and select on Mary. Yes. And then to me, that's ignoring the fact that we have biases, unconscious bias. To me, that's not acknowledging unconscious bias. And also not acknowledging the challenges of some of the underrepresented to one apply and two climb the ladder. It's not acknowledging that they exist despite the research and the result that we have. That's dismissing that. But you, everything you said was right. In terms of a selection criteria, yes, based on merit, regardless of what background you're from. In terms of the message you're sending, in terms of a message your company is sending out there, Regardless of recruitment, in any applicable scenario, it's how a company wish to present themselves as an organization. You know, that comes down to, so that initiative is really down to the values of that company and how they, and how they want to present themselves as a company. Yeah, absolutely. Good. It helps me think about how I, re- how I would react to that. Yeah, I know. Um, There's some controversial issues there. Yeah. I don't know if they're controversial, really. It's just, there's always going to be 
different opinions. Those many people don't agree with your opinion and that's fine. And with the merit thing, I don't know how. I'm really uncomfortable with the suggestion that to hire diverse talent means you're reducing your standards of merit and what's um, acceptable for jobs. That's what I hear when people bang on about merit. I was like, well, you, or are you saying that they don't have merit? Unless you're hiring someone just because they're black and they're rubbish at their job, then that's not what it's about. Or just because they're gay or just because they're a woman, because you want to tick some boxes, then that's not what it's about. But there are always going to be people that believe them in the workplace, whether that was the reason or not. Right. When we talk about hiring on merit, that's, that is how it should be. Yeah, well, of course. I'm not saying with that. No, I don't think you are. I'm just making a point. When that point is made, when, we, when you're having a conversation about diverse teams and bringing more diverse talent pool, and the argument for pro-diversity initiatives, right? So it's the pro-diversity initiative, and the goal is to get more diversity. And then it's, well, what can we do differently or what do we need to do? And when, the argu- or when merit comes up, as a, a pushback, then it's, the suggestion is that you're going to be doing things that are hiring people that aren't fit for the job. Well, why would you be doing that? But again, it's an assumption that they're, they're thinking that merit doesn't, there's an assumption that they're hiding behind merit. It's interesting, isn't it? All right. I think we've only got through for that. We did quite well there. I'd love to know what other people think because people would have been in that position. There were people in that position whether it's their job, where they have to um, get on board diversity, equality, inclusion measures in the workplace. How do you feel about it? Is it aligned with you? Do you feel like it's just a tick box? Or do you feel like it works? What works? What doesn't work? How does it sit with you? What would you do? Okay, yes. Okay, yes, that's right. Yes. I've got to do my little made-up jingle that changes every week. What would you do? You ready? Yes, okay, go okay. for it. All right. So this is a work context. Work context. Okay. A co-worker confides in you. I honestly just find it easier to work with men. I honestly just find it easier to work with men. You see, that kind of comment, and maybe in some it's geared towards the specific industry that you may be working in or it could be geared to a specific environment that person is experiencing with that comment. If it's said in general anyway, I always uh, prefer working with, with men or I always prefer working with women. You know, that's a different context. If someone said to me, oh, I prefer working with, with men or with men or I prefer working with women, that's to me saying that they've obviously had an experience within that company within that environment. And so, yeah, yeah. Mm. there's always a story, there's always a reason, there's a reason behind that. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it's valid or not, I'm not too sure. And that's again, going again about being, having a curious mind, I'd be asking around, you know, why would that be? All right. Okay. Is it cool? Because that particular comment could be due to a specific incident that's happened within that environment, within that company, maybe within even that industry. So mm-hmm. because 
get you can get departments where there are women who are notoriously cutthroat and in a professional environment there's it's that cutthroat attitude and if if all the women are like then or if everyone's like that then it suppose it comes down to the context yeah everything does you're right absolutely well for this i guess the point is this is what it says why it matters your colleague's preference for working with men could lead them consciously or unconsciously to overlook talented women because all right this co-worker says find it easy to work with men that means that potentially means and depends on their position and their influence in that workplace that they're putting together teams or they're choosing to work with people choosing not to work with other people because you've got a preference for one you exclude generally excluding the other if you can so when this happens women can miss career opportunities and your co-worker can miss the chance to work with women from whom they might learn something I never feel like oh my God, that's not true I was going to say I never feel like Qualities I'm, I'm not liking in someone in a workplace is because of their gender. I was going to say that, but then I think about it. It's not, that's not true. Sometimes I feel like women are forcing certain behaviors to feel it like more accepted that they think is how they need to behave. I feel like that about some women. But anyway, another podcast. In that context, because if a woman says, oh, I prefer working with men, there's obviously there's likely to be an experience that's been had whereby um, there's been a number of women who have obviously not supported this woman, which is why she's led to say, or to share the comment, I prefer with men. I've been in a situation in the advertising industry where I've worked in a department which consisted of nine women, including myself, and there was one male in the team. And I remember when the male was hired to be in the team, it was previously a group of nine women in this one department. And when the hire was made and it was a male and it was announced that it was a male, there was a lot of hype, there was a lot of excitement within the, within the group. And the group also consisted of fairly younger women. Mm. They were very excited about having this male on board. And when, and I remember I didn't always, I never, I never felt like I fitted in within that group. And I'm not sure why, but, but it was an all women group and I was overlooked for opportunities mm. by women in that group. My comments in the boardroom were always criticized. My ideas were not taken seriously in a group of nine women. And I remember when the male um, hire came on board, the male, I found that in the boardroom, when I put forward my ideas, it was the male um, hire who backed me with my ideas. And it was only when he backed me in the idea in the boardroom was that it, it got the attention of the other women who I'd been working with for months. Mm. What happened in that situation was I could have had an experience whereby I would say, oh, I, I don't like working with women. But I didn't. I, I came away from that. And I was reflecting on myself about what I could have done better in that situation, how I could have reacted better in that situation. It was only until a few years passed, I'd already left the company, and I bumped into the male hire who had also left. It was only when he had left and he shared with me, and he said to me, he said, I saw how the other women in the department, in the team, 
belittled you, belittled your value, your comments, the contribution you made. Mm. And that's simply unacceptable. Mm. And so there are experiences where in the workplace where you have women and they band together and there may be another woman in a group and they don't actually, they basically, there's discrimination against another women. There are lots of situations, I'm sure that happen in the workplace, where women do not stick up for each other. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I don't think it's specific to gender, though. I see men do that as well. So I'm, I totally agree women do that. I just don't think it's gender specific. I think it's, for whatever reason, women can be just, just as bad, basically. But this is what it's saying. It says your colleague's preference, because you're right as well. You're right. It's context dependent. Who knows what's happened in the past and where, the, yeah. where this idea has come from. But, but the point that they want to make here is that comment might signal that your coworker thinks women are less talented or less likable than men. Yeah. You can ask what makes you say that? Because really they're generalizing. They're picking a whole 50% of, you know, people in the world. They're not saying, I find it easy to work with other, another person other than this person. They're saying men. I find it easy to work with men, so I don't find it easy to work with women. So that's a big number of people to exclude. Yeah, that's very, it depends on what kind of experience she's had with the men that she's been working with and the women that she's been working with. We don't know. We don't know if it's a she co-worker or a he co-worker, and we don't know if it's based on experience or perception. This is the point. We don't know because we don't know the context. This is one context. Well, what you said, brilliant, the first time, you said you get curious, you ask questions. So you can ask, what makes you say that? And then when people are asked to explain themselves, it leads them to rethink the position. So if it was the, the context that they believe that uh, men have some sort of superior qualities and they're better to work with for that reason, if that was the context, then they'll realize that if it was unconscious from the questions, yeah? But it might not be. There might be other experiences. You're right. So you, if that was the case, so let's say if somebody said to you, oh, I prefer working with men than women, would you call them out on that? Would you say, oh, do you realize what you've just said? Um, would you actually well, No, because I don't know the reason they said that yet. I would ask a question. What makes you say that? And so it depends. Once they answered that, would you then, or if they, if they said, for example, oh, I say that because, because women can be like this and men are, men are much more easier to work with because you can do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Which women are X, Y, Z. Would you call it out with them if it was a co-worker? Would you say? Yeah, but I'm probably, I wouldn't like be attacking them or anything. I'd probably say, well, you know, I think it's unfortunate that's your experience. I've had lots of experience of the opposite. I've had really fantastic, worked with fantastic guys. I'm really cluey and really inclusive and the same for women. And then I've had the other experience. So I think you need to be open-minded and, and just see who the person is you're dealing with at the end of the day. That's how I feel about it. If you're lucky enough to have had those experiences to share. But again, even if you haven't, the fact is you, everyone's different and you're still closing yourself off just to think that way. Yeah. It's and limiting you. Yeah, there you go. And that's exactly what, what would probably be the solution there. Well, this is what it's saying. So it can, you know, just asking a question, a curious question, could lead people to rethink their position. And then you can explain why it happens. It can be 
And if you're talking specifically about bias, it can be eye-opening to understand how bias works or share your own perspective. I've had great experiences working with women. This is like a comment. Even if you can't convince them to think differently, you can push back on the point of view. And it says why it can happen is your colleague may say this because some because of performance bias, which can lead them to incorrectly assume that men are more competent than women. Likeability bias, bias is another thing talked about before, can lead them to feel that competent women are less likable and therefore harder to work with. And if your colleague is a man, if this comment may be rooted in the affinity bias, he may prefer to work with people like himself. So there's different kinds of biases potentially at play there. And that's the point. Don't know until you dig deeper. That's it. That's not any situation. Yeah. Hmm. So that was what you do. Thanks for that, Bath. I worked in the workplace that was predominantly women. I wish there was more men in there. Men definitely have something different to bring to the table. So do women. So it would have been yeah. nice to different perspectives. It is, like you say, it's all about context because it's also about what type of working style do you have? So just to, just to put your blinkers on and say, I, I prefer just working with this, this, this sector is, 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 yeah, is, is not only closing yourself off, but it's also, it means that you're not necessarily varied in your, in your working style. I think if you're going to survive, you need to be able to be flexible in yeah. your style anyway, Adapt really. Adaptability. That's yeah. the whole idea of moving forward. Being able to move forward is you have to, you have to be adaptable. Exactly. Or else you're going to have a very painful life. Can't, you can't do that. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!